And this, okay, this goes back to your original question. This is one of the things I think that about my book that is, that is kind of retro, um, maybe even like going back further than a couple of decades, is that I really believe when, when, you, talk, when, when, you, when you restrict your sense of uh, uh, culture's political impact to what it is communicating like explicitly like uh, as a message, you're not really getting at what makes it political in, in an impactful way. You know, the, many of the, 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 the things I, artists I write about, most of them do have kind of like a, a kind of progressive mindset, you might say, but what makes their work political is not, and there are exceptions, you know, to this, there are some artists who are just explicitly kind of like, you know, they're sloganeering like idols, for example. But even, even like a band like that, what makes their music political is, is, is not just the fact that they're writing songs about certain topics, but the way in which their, their records sound and how that, that sound fits into a, into a kind of a, um, a counter tradition that is all about breaking with tradition. That's a really nice way of putting it. Even though, I, anecdotally, apparently the band is fully into TM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, would, that would not surprise me the least. But you know what? Some of my favorite artists are into TM. You know, I mean, I, I love David Lynch, and you know, he wants he wants to sell me on it, and that's fine with me as long as I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> you, there's something else you do in the book that I want to get at that's very important, which is that one of the sort of problems with the kind of criticism that you do as it's been commercially as well as academically practiced is that it's very white and very first world. And when it absolutely uh, and, and when and let, me, let me just say before you continue, yeah. I am the most white first world person imaginable. So <laughs> I just full disclosure, like, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I my, my, my 23 and me genetic test is like, this is the whitest person ever. So, uh, <laughs> you, should, you should disclose to the audience that you're of German background. Yeah, almost entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stuttgart, right? But yeah, well, yeah. And then my, my I mean, my, my mother's family, um, you know, like most of it came from what is now Denmark, but was then considered German territory like in the, in the 1700s to Pennsylvania. So I have the German, like as in the 20th century immigrants on my father's side and then the 18th century immigrants on my mother's side. So I'm very, very German, yeah. That said, you seem to be very good at picking out some of the more important minority and immigrant streams in contemporary European music, work that is not immediately uh, recognizable, even in connoisseurs' music journalism in the United Kingdom, bands like mm -hmm. Triple Go, which you brought up earlier, are really quite influential and important in French, like what they call cloud rap, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, perhaps we could talk a little bit about what's important about bands like Triple Go and also some of the peripheral bands that you write about to Europe, uh, such as Israel's Zenobia, the Palestinian Israeli band from Haifa. You know, I think, you know, there, there, there's a way in which that kind of um, work is not made by white artists, and especially white male artists, uh, has, you know, historically been, even when it's given attention, and in some cases kind of exalted, 
there's still a kind of segregation that happens in how it's treated. And that's not always a bad thing. I mean, sometimes, just as you use just an analogy that comes to mind, you know, there's a lot of evidence that girls sometimes do better when they're just in school with other girls rather than co-ed environments, and, some, and for boys as well. So sometimes segregation, you know, doesn't have a negative connotation. But when it comes to this music, because it's thought of as music of, say, with Middle Eastern origin, or music of, of coming from a, a sort of like the black diaspora, or music that's coming from kind of a, I don't know, some sort of Eastern European, you know, Jewish tradition, whatever. Like, when, when, when you only think of it in those terms and don't connect it up with the other stuff that's going on culturally, you, you really minimize its impact. And to go back to what we were talking about in New York in the 1970s and how, you know, dub, reggae influenced hip-hop and how, you know, it in turn influenced um, electronic music and then electronic music influenced it back and then punk in the, in the more sort of narrow sense of like guitars and drum and bass bands was influenced by all that stuff that was happening. Like, it's because we're, we're sort of trained to think of, of hip-hop as being its own kind of separate thing and, and not as incredibly influential on, on music everybody's making. And I think looking at this European stuff that's been, ha- you know, that, that it's in, a, in the book, I'm trying to always be mindful of the ways in which, like, to use the usual Triple Go example, like, uh, this music is having an impact beyond its particular niche, beyond kind of the world that the people who um, market and sell it even, you know, have in mind. Like, so, so, so we, have to, we have to really pay attention to the, the ways in which this music extends beyond, you know, these, these generic boundaries. Boundaries are important, especially in talking about uh, music that's made by people who aren't at the top of the social ladder, I think, too. Yes, um, yes. And so, in particular, you know, when I read what you had to say about, you know, Triple Go's last two records, or Nazar, the Brussels-based mm-hmm. Angolan expats album, what is it, Gorilla, is that the title? There, yeah. There is a sense in in how you treat both, uh, both of these artists that they're about exploring space, the space of being away from your home, the space of having no social mobility and finding some kind of room. I'm thinking in mm-hmm. the case of Triple, uh, triple Go of being yeah. stoned. Like, their being high is such an important part of their aesthetic. You know, um, you, know you, you find lots of space in, in the banlieue in their work that people never knew existed because of how ethereal their work gets. Right, and so, you know, okay, so you mentioned space, and I, I guess I, I, what I was trying to get at is their work formally attests to a kind of, like, claustrophobia that is bound up with the experience of exile, of dislocation, at least in a, in a, in a cultural sense. Yeah. But in, in finding ways of, of making musical space that, that it widens sort of out from that, 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 that claustrophobic context. That's what I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, 
so that's where you get the boundary crossing, right? Yeah. Like, the, the, like the, 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 the art is doing what life cannot. And if you focus only on the claustrophobia, as a lot of commentators tend to do, and this is also tr- true, remains true to a large extent, of writing about hip-hop done by people who aren't coming from a hip-hop tradition, like, if you focus on, like, where the people come from, you're going to communicate something about what led them to make music and the, the, the sort of, like, the sort of the, 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 the special struggles they, they've had to kind of deal with in making art. But you're, what you're going to miss is the way, are the ways in which they make art to go beyond that confinement, that limitation. And, and I think that that's a disservice to their work to not let it be sort of universal in the way that people, you know, a, a, you know, sort of the classic, you know, white boomer rock fan regards rock music of the classic era as universal. And this is a problem culturally, goes beyond music, obviously, where who gets to be universal is a function of power relations sort of a certain kind of like, you know, white culture is taken for the standard and everything else is regarded as particular um, as a repudiation of the universal simply because it doesn't match up with that white standard. And so that's that's one of the things I'm always thinking about too, is how can we value music that isn't coming from these dominant places in, 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 in society so that we acknowledge the, the experience of limitation, acknowledge that claustrophobia, but also give it the potential to be every bit as universal um, in its impact in what it's saying about the world as music that comes from like that kind of dominant white heritage. You also spend a lot of time talking through how minority artists negotiate in Europe colonialism uh, and the legacy of colonial, cultural legacy of colonialism. Mm -hmm. In particular, uh, you know, we make an effort to include artists from the northern Middle East in a European context since it's a border context. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Zenobia is is one example and also Morocco's Bab Le Bleu. What 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 kind of what kind of precedence does their appropriation of Western idioms set for people culturally struggling with Western colonialism? Well, I mean, every case is different, but I, but I think I mean I mean the, the, you know because of, of of what culture has been spread around the world by you know, primarily of, you know, the, the United States, but, but also, you know, by, by Britain. I mean, you can't escape that musical tradition. I mean, it's always around you, you know, it's where you, you know, if you, I mean, you can't really turn the radio anymore like we used to, but, you know, if you look what people are listening to in, in you know, um, in Lebanon, in, Al, you know, Algeria, in Vietnam, I mean, some of it, is going to be stuff coming from a local sort of, you know, you know, sort of context. But a lot of it is the same stuff that people are looking to everywhere else. And that, that's, what, that's the kind of the downside of the universality I was talking about. But the flip side is that 
because everyone is kind of exposed, whether they like it or not, to this kind of dominant cultural paradigm, which is often going out of its way not to be provocative. It's, in the book, I talk about you know how music is used as a painkiller, as an anesthetic, and, and, I, and I, I sort of use that concept of the anesthetic as an example of like what happens when music isn't allowed to expand you know, our, our, our minds when it just becomes a way of kind of like uh, of deadening our, our, our responses to like all the injustices of the world. And so how do you, so, the, so we need music that's aesthetic in the sense that it allows us to feel what we have been uh, trained to ignore. And I think when you look at that, you know, the, 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 the artist you mentioned, like, you know, Zenobia, you're seeing different ways in which they're, they're, they're trying to, 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 be, to make perceptible, to, make, to allow to be felt experiences of culture in, in every sense, but of music more specifically, that we are otherwise not going to, as, as listeners in the West, quote unquote, are, are not going to be able to kind of register. So in using these so-called Western idioms, which often, of course, come from, I mean, so much of rock, you know, is influenced by music from the Middle East. You know, Dick Dale, of course, you know, I think he's Lebanese descent, you know, yeah. his surf guitar. I mean, so there's all these ways in which, and Moroccan music was hugely influential also in the psychedelic era in particular, but it's been kind of revisited ever since. The rhythms of, you know, music of North Africa or India hugely influential, obviously, in every kind of, like, popular music, especially, again, you know, inclining towards the more sort of, like, spacey, trippy, psychedelic stuff. So so it's not like Western music has ever been that Western to begin with, right? And, and of course, if you go back to rock and roll and it with its origins in the blues, you know, I mean, that music, the blues came together because of music from, like, you know, Ireland mixing with music from Africa, Yeah. right? So. Right. The West has never really been that Western. And <laughs> so these artists who are regarded as being kind of outside of the, the mainstream that are like geographically sort of like remote, at least in terms of how we conceptualize popular music today, but they're, but they're in making music the way they're making, making it, um, they're kind of reminding us that, that they're not as much as, mar- they're, they're, they're not as marginal as, as we've been led to think. They're kind of you know, really help forcing us to rethink our, our, our sort of inherited preconceptions. That's one of the problems with all of these specialty, uh, you know, forgotten music labels or ethnic music labels. Yeah. You know, it's not... Absolutely. <laughs> it's, 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 it's no accident that they're uh, run by people in Europe and, and, uh, and the U.S., Right, and what you see is, I mean, there's some great work that's been done yeah. excavating material yeah. and releasing it, and you know, and and, and, and I'm not going to criticize no. you know that that impulse, but the problem is, so many people that do this, they fetishize the marginality, the yeah. remoteness, and they exclude the, all the evidence of the ways in which these so-called marginal sort of um, you know musical creators were, were actually in dialogue, constant dialogue with mainstream popular music from the West. 
That's what's great about labels like Sublime Frequencies, um, which is run by Arab Americans. Yeah, so you, 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 can, hear, you can hear the influence of, of yeah, and, and the ways in which everything is intertwined. And, and every, I mean, every, I mean, one of the things I also am proud about of the book, is the book, and every time I, 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 I tackle a record, I, I spend a vast amount of time listening to it while I'm writing about it, like many, many hours a day, typically. And I try to sort of to, to bring out what is unique about the record, to really listen to it on its own terms, to not reduce it to some sort of like point that's not really about the record itself. You know, I mean, I mean, I want to be mindful of context always, but I don't want to like forget what the record itself is doing because that's, that's just not fair to the music, to the artist. So when I'm, ma- I'm making generalizations right now, I also want to say, I mean, every single piece in the book, I-, I try to like be attentive to what the artist is trying to do and what they actually end up achieving. Aside from any broader concerns of a political or historical nature, but the flip side of that is, as I'm trying to articulate the last, you know, 10 minutes or so of our sure, conversation, sure. Yep. is the flip side is that in, in, in trying to focus on what the record itself is, is doing and in really being mindful of what it's doing musically and what it's doing, you know, in a broader aesthetic sense, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to bring out this potential for universality, you know, in, in each and every record that I, that, that, that I focus on. So, so in, in focusing on its specificities, I'm also saying, you know, why can't this record by Nazar, you know, with coming from this, you know, Angolan Civil War sort of experience, um, why can't that be a record for all of us to understand the impact of war and exile? Like, you know, we, 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 we all need to be mindful, pay attention to that. We all need to be hear, hearing that, to be taught to hear it in, in, in a kind of way that resonates. And, and so rather than just thinking, oh, here's, here's an example of this culture on the margins this, that doesn't affect me and which I can fetishize because it's not my culture, what we actually need to do is to recognize that every single one of these, these artists, is, it, 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 they're not coming from a place that's different from where we're coming from deep down. Like we're all kind of caught up in the same problem because it, we, we're, we've been in an era of unprecedented globalization for decades now and uh, the, the pandemic may have temporarily kind of diminished some of the international travel that was, that was underpinning this, but, but it's going to come back. Wherever you go in major cities around the world right now, the cosmopolitan experience is unprecedented. Whether you're talking about the food you can eat, the music you can hear, there's never been so much interpenetration of different national, national cultures as we have right now. And we have, but we have, we have to learn to hear that. You know, when you, when you think of Berlin, you think of maybe electronic music, a kind of minimal electronic music, and you have certain stereotypes about Berlin. But Berlin is also a place where there's lots of immigrants. And you have to hear wh- wh- where they're coming from. Not as, you know, oh, they don't belong here, but they're, they're, they're as German as anybody else. 